Come on in, people. Welcome to Extinction Talk Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. We have some empty pews here in the Earth Church. Sit on down there. Well, we're going to start today where we always have to start, which is to accept what's real. The extinction is real. It's here. Better say I love you before we disappear. And we, uh, United Nations scientists, that say that we have about 72 months to go, about six years, beyond which the abyss. All right, now, so I want you to sit in your church pew, do some yoga together today, all right? Begin by constricting the muscles in your fingers, then your arms, then your chest and back, your ass, your hiney, your thighs. Constrict, constrict until you're uncomfortable. We're getting really sacred here today. Really worshipful. All right, in the church of stop shopping. Really let a nightmare come into you. Remember when somebody that you really hated sucked the blood out of your neck. Be a method actor. Remember something bad. Get that nightmare going, going. Now, 72 months to go. Let's count them down. 72, 71, 70, 69, 68. Let's go back to 69. That's a good sex position. (laughs) Wow, yeah, have a fond memory now of when a 69 position was just a blessed thing for you. All right, now deconstrict. All right, bring it back now. Come on now, stand up. Stand up in the church. Everybody stand up now. Get your hips moving in a little bit of a circle here. Remember that 69 that you really loved. All right, now just we're going to dance our ass off. It's drag, queer liberation, pride weekend. Come on, let's go over to that forest over there. Let's find that forest clearing. You know, in forests, all the living things are dancing, communicating, singing. They're not like institutions that have banned music and sex. And I'm talking about all the institutions from the Pentagon to the environmental movement. They've all dragged their feet on getting hip to the Earth's uprising, not us. We're uprising. That's a dance. And we're going to take it across the property lines today, across the expectation lines, across the constricted cultural habits that people have. Get everybody dancing and singing and swinging their hips around and around and around. Somebody give me a earth hallelujah earth hallelujah We make love with the earth. We are aquophiles, terrophiles, pyrophiles, and aerophiles. We shamelessly hug trees, massage the earth with our feet, and talk erotically to plants. We are skinny dippers, sun worshippers, and stargazers. We caress rocks, are pleasured by waterfalls and admire the earth's curves often. We make love with the earth through our senses. We celebrate our e-spots and we are very dirty. What did you do to the great outdoors? And to our children's children, why and what for? We couldn't decide about that thing called life 
You wanted more gas, more guns, more sacrifice. Will a child from the future knock on your door? And will she say, I'm a dead kid from 2044? Yeah. You don't seem to want your future anymore. But the future wants more life, not war. I am DX in extinction. You fools, your children's children from 2044. And I am looking for a vacation in the great outdoors. Extinction takes a vacation. I walk in your door. of bodies is my white sand shore this pandemic made of humans has lost its roar you're my scenic view now you're my forest save ourselves when the guns and the torches are dropped so that we can touch when cops jail bankers when cops jail bankers when why the cops jail the bankers to save the kids of the cops 
and the bankers. When black and brown lesbians run the Department of Justice, when we have the great idea, resist extinction, resist, resist extinction, resist, resist extinction, resist. When we take personal responsibility for the superstorm, when we go outside until outside is no longer outside anymore, when we stop calling the storm a criminal scandal, when we climb the mountains and cross the rivers, hike across the deserts looking for you, the nationlessness that we love, when we're willing to do what it takes to save ourselves, when we see that our spare room is a young mother's dream, when we feel years of laughter and music in a gift economy, when we stop shopping and start living, when is the time to act? When? 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 Now! Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Government agencies and nonprofit groups in California are preparing for a difficult summer in which thousands of wells could fail. A rough estimate from the Public Policy Institute of California found that if groundwater levels decline at the same rate as in the last drought, about 2,700 wells could go dry in 2021. California just experienced its third driest winter on record and is currently baking in temperatures that exceed 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Major reservoirs are less than half their historical average for mid-June, and the state has begun cutting off surface water deliveries to farmers. 85% of California and the entirety of the Sacramento and San Joaquin Valleys is in severe or exceptional drought, the two worst U.S. drought monitor categories. The first major heat wave of the summer has seized the western United States, toppling records and threatening lives. The event is unprecedented in its timing, intensity, and scope. Never have such severe conditions been recorded over such a large area so early in the summer. At least five weather stations, including Salt Lake City and Palm Springs, California, have matched their all-time high temperatures this week, months before the hottest part of the season. Las Vegas set a new daily record at 116 degrees. In Death Valley, California, on Thursday, thermometers read 128 degrees. Coupled with a catastrophic drought that has damaged crops and shrunk vital reservoirs to all-time lows, the blazing weather is a trademark of human-caused warming. More than 40 million residents of western states must endure a bout of broiling conditions that shows no sign of letting up. Temperatures are forecast to hit 115 degrees and higher this weekend in cities spanning the southwest. Red flag warnings are in place across New Mexico, Utah, Arizona, and Colorado as dry lightning and gusty winds threaten to spark new wildfires. In Arizona, the heat has made it unsafe for some firefighting aircraft to fly. Meanwhile, the scarcity of water means pilots are struggling to find places where they can scoop up water to drop on the more than a dozen fires already burning across the state. Two new reports provide a stark view into the largely ignored public health risks facing the 2.4 million farm workers in the U.S., including 524,000 child workers whose lives and labor have long been devalued. Although COVID-19 has heightened public awareness of the dangerous working conditions faced by farm workers, the reports call attention to the fact that this hasn't led to substantive policy change, including from extreme heat. 
Only three states, Washington, Minnesota, and California, have any regulations safeguarding workers from escalating temperatures. As the number of unsafe hot days increases, more farm workers will be endangered without stronger laws. The consequences can be fatal. Farm workers die of heat-related causes at a rate of 20 times that of all other professions. A majority migrant and undocumented workforce, farm workers are especially vulnerable to extreme heat, not only because of their direct exposure, but also because of a lack of other social and labor protections. To the human eye, most stationary objects appear to be just that, still and completely at rest. Yet if we were handed a quantum lens allowing us to see objects at the scale of individual atoms, What was an apple sitting idly on our desk would appear as a teeming collection of vibrating particles very much in motion. In the last few decades, physicists have found ways to supercool objects so that their atoms are at a near standstill or in their motional ground state. To date, physicists have wrestled small objects such as clouds of millions of atoms or nanogram-scale objects into such pure quantum states. Now, for the first time, scientists have cooled a large human-scale object to close to its motional ground state. The object isn't tangible in the sense of being situated at one location, but is the combined motion of four separate objects, each weighing about 40 kilograms. The object that the researchers cooled has an estimated mass of about 10 kilograms and comprises about 1 times 1,026, or nearly one octillion atoms. Geologic activity on Earth appears to follow a 27.5 million year cycle, giving the planet a pulse, according to a new study. Scientists analyzed the ages of 89 well-dated major geological events of the last 260 million years. These events include marine and land extinctions, major volcanic outpourings of lava called flood basalt eruptions, events when oceans were depleted of oxygen, sea level fluctuations and changes, or reorganization in the Earth's tectonic plates. They found that these global geologic events are generally clustered at 10 different time points over the 260 million years, grouped in peaks or pulses of roughly 27.5 million years apart. The most recent cluster of geological events was approximately 7 million years ago, suggesting that the next pulse of major geological activity is more than 20 million years in the future. Astronomers have discovered a titanic galactic wind driven by a supermassive black hole 13.1 billion years ago. This is the earliest yet observed example of such a wind to date and is a telltale sign that huge black holes have a profound effect on the growth of galaxies from the very early history of the universe. Researchers have developed new technology that allows people to see clearly in the dark, revolutionizing night vision. We've made a very thin film consisting of nanometer-scale crystals, hundreds of times thinner than a human hair that can be directly applied to glasses and acts as a filter, allowing one to see in the darkness of the night. Forest fires have crept higher up mountains over the past few decades, scorching areas previously too wet to burn. As wildfires advance uphill, a staggering 11% of all western U.S. forests are now at risk. Researchers at the University of Texas Medical Branch have observed that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, can infect the testes of infected hamsters. The findings could help explain symptoms some men with COVID-19 have reported and have important implications for men's health. 
As the pandemic goes on, clinicians continue to report their findings that COVID-19 affects more than just the lungs. Some patients have reported testicular pain, and some reports have shown decreases in testosterone, a key hormone produced in the testes. Autopsies have also shown significant disruption of the testes at the cellular level, including the presence of immune cells. Given the magnitude of the COVID-19 pandemic, it is critical to investigate how this disease can impact the testes and the potential consequences for disease severity, reproductive health, and sexual transmission. And now, the sounds of extinction, the cowvit gibbon. The cowvit gibbon, or eastern black-crested gibbon, is a relatively unfamiliar ape, one of the rarest primates in the world, with a population of around 125. In 2002, the cowvit gibbon was presumed to be extinct. Today, the entire world population is clinging to survival in a small, fragmented forest on the border between Vietnam and China. The species is an astounding acrobat. It is superbly adapted to its treetop habitat, capable of careening through the forest canopy at breakneck speed by means of its long, lithe limbs. For good measure, it can also move on two legs, balancing on boughs at vertiginous heights. Males are all black, while females are buff yellow with a conspicuous black, pale-fringed face mask and black crown. Gibbons tend to pair for life and defend their territories mainly by singing. The Calvet gibbon is threatened with extinction. It is closer to the brink than almost any other primate. The main threats to its survival are hunting and the destruction and degradation of its dwindling habitat. Firewood collection, extraction of non-timber forest products, and other forms of encroachment threatens final refuge, bringing the animals into increasingly close contact with humans and making them more vulnerable to poaching. And hear the song of the cowvit gibbon. In the unknown are living beings, and we need to believe in them. We can't see them, but we need to believe that they are there. Now, what does this sound like? What am, what am I saying? What does this sound like? It sounds like the kind of thing that we have to treat those Republicans with. We, if we're going to convert the army of the dead by loving them back to life, Duchess, we've got to have the belief of looking into the, their unknown and believing that they've got love in them. I don't know, Billy, if you say so. <laughs> if you say so. Am I being utterly optimistic? The living beings beyond our desperate naked eye, we've got to believe beyond the edge of our senses. Now that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be helping us to deal with such things as the west being on fire. Cuz we've got things that we're confronting right now that we don't know what they are. We have no idea what they are. No. They are unknown. They're unknown. If we're going to make a move of any kind with our bodies and minds, with our souls into this unreality, hey. then we've got to do it by 
hitching our rope to a belief that we can't prove. Hitch your rope to a belief you can't prove. All we can do is imagine it, and All so we, we imagine. imagine it, and then we throw our rope out and hook it on that imagination. You ever heard of the word skyhook? Ever heard of a no, skyhook? No, I have sky not, hook. but I want one now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's something kids believe in. There's a hook in the sky, and you can throw the rope up there and like crawl up. That is the kind of activism that we're, we need to do now. Wow. We have to discover how to take our activism into the unknown. Now, look, we just have an example of that right here with, with, with work that we've done here in our parks. We cannot see the living molecules that we're saving by banning Monsanto's Roundup. We can't see the Roundup either. They're both invisible. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. The glyphosates are invisible. And the molecules in the dirt and in the in the in the living things and the um, in the in the park, it's all invisible. It comes to us as data. Yeah. Comes to us as stories that yeah. people tell us from environmental organizations and they write they write articles and uh, people who get sick. I mean, it's, it's it's circumstantial evidence. You're not you're not you don't you don't have the smoking gun. No. But you have circumstantial evidence and you put it together over a period of time. And a lot of people have to suffer first. They they suffer. And then you start deciding, oh, you know, because glyphosate's been for sale for 30 years. Yeah. It's taken us all this time, and it's still being, it's still on the shelf at yeah. the Lowe's right down the street. Right, right. So imagining into the invisible is not as weird as it sounds. We're doing that. Yeah. But now, I think what's surprising about the West is that seven or eight states are over 100 degrees every day, and we know that people are dying from heat stroke. We know that the crops are withering. Yep. We know that the water tables are sinking. We know that the fire, the fires on the sides of the mountain oh, are just like out of control. We know, we know all of that control. is happening. And here we are. What are we doing? We're watching it on television. We're watching it on the screens. We don't know what to do. It's on TV. We have friends out there and they're sick. We have friends out there. They're burning. We have friends out there. Friends, my friends. They're in tremendous pain. Pain and suffering. Pain and suffering over there. Pain and suffering over there. California, Nevada, Idaho, Oregon. I think that just about anything could be a spiritual path, whether it's, you know, walking, mountain climbing, rowing boats, yoga, meditation. Uh, for me, my spiritual path has ended up to be sexuality. I consider myself a metamorphosexual. That means that I'm always growing, always changing. Um, I find that at different times, I have different needs and desires. There have been times in my sexual evolution where I felt incredibly spiritually connected through sexuality, and then there are times where I haven't. I once taught a workshop called Sacred Sex Technologies because I have grown to find that there are certain technical kinds of things that you can do to achieve certain results more breathing, for example. Breathing is far out. I mean, breathing, especially breathing combined with sexual energy, you can really trip, you can really go places, you can really 
fly and really see things and feel things just breathing and people they go yeah you know but they never tried it you know they oh breathing please what the, you know and so there's simple technological kinds of things you can do that get results and at first it's a little awkward you know learning techniques but after you learn them they work i'm not saying that i have you know spiritual experience every time i have sex because i sure as hell don't <laughs> but uh on occasion um i go there i see it very similar to painting and there's many different kinds of painting anyone can paint a picture anyone can have sex but what kind of painter are you you can go to art school and learn more techniques and become a better painter some people don't need to they're just born erotically gifted but some of us we need to go to workshops learn things practice experiment um, so some of us are avant-garde lovers some of us are the romanticists some of us are um, Picasso's of sex some of us are the Rembrandt's of sex yoga I think is great great training for, for kind of more cosmic spiritual kind of sex. I'm a lot of things a lot of people love to hate. I'm a woman, I'm a whore, I'm um, an artist, I'm Jewish, <laughs> I'm a very round woman. In every grain of sand is an entire universe and everything in the universe can be is reflected in, in sexuality and you can learn a lot from making love or any you know anything relating to sexuality and so that's how I've learned about life and I've also had various sexual experiences that were you know that really robbed me of my spiritual energy or drained me of my spiritual energy and I've had sexual experiences that uh, I felt um, you know, that incredible oneness and this incredible spirituality and altered states and transcendental meditative, orgasmic, uh, vibratory states, you know, just... So there's many, many billions of different kinds of sex and um, I've tried about several thousand kinds, you know, and I've learned a lot and grown through it and it's not everybody's path but it's certainly been my path. episode here of Extinction Talk Radio comes to the goodbye and thank you point. <laughs> now, goodbye and thank you to Annie Sprinkle and to Beth Stevens and their work and how they teach us to dance anew with the earth, to have a compassionate physical relationship with the natural world around us. Well, what have we been doing? To institutional too Wall Street, too totalitarian, consumeristic, <laughs> just too civilized. 
it's time for us to open up and be creative with this unknown that surrounds us. And then we can take that to our, our activism for the earth, which has also been too limited. Let's open it up. Let's do all kinds of things. Surprise people, entice people, and change ourselves and the people who witness us. Amen. Well, now, we're going to talk to, to Annie and to Beth uh, at our live talk iteration of this radio show, which takes place this Sunday from 1 to 3. And you can come be with us at RevBilly.com. R-E-V, Victor, B-Boy, I-L-L-Y. RevBilly.com. They'll be talking to us on the phone from California at around... Two o'clock. Earthaluya, somebody give me an Earthaluya.